Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom and immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today I am so excited to bring to you Ajelle Wade, a cancer survivor three times patented inventor, Woman in Toys Wonder Woman Award finalist, and award-winning designer, Ajelle has climbed up and across the ladder in the toy industry for over 10 years with companies like Toys R Us, Horizon Group USA, Madam Alexander, and Creative Kids. Now, as the president of The Toy Coach and host of the podcast, Making It in the Toy Industry, Ajelle creates online resources that help educate inventors and entrepreneurs about the toy biz. I had the pleasure, actually, of meeting Ajelle when I interviewed her for a feature article in the arts category in Podcast Magazine a few months ago. And after that interview, I said, oh, she's definitely got to be on Wickedly Smart Women. So I am so delighted to have you here today, Ishelle. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I was so flattered that you wanted to have me on the show just from that one meeting. Thank you. Well, you are so welcome. And I think you're brilliant and you're fun and you are doing something that, you know, is outside the norm for a lot of people, but also really a powerful thing that you're doing in the world. So I want to have you talk a little bit, Ajal, about your journey into the toy industry first, and then about that turning point moment for you when you said enough working for somebody else's dream, it's time for the toy queen to step into her own queendom. Yes. Well, I, um, I always knew I wanted to work with kids. So from the get go, I used to tell my grandma, I wanted to be a teacher and I used to tell my sister, I wanted to be a teacher. That was like my focus. And then I just discovered they do not get paid enough. <laughs> like they don't make a living wage and, uh, it just didn't seem like the best path. So I discovered art later on. Right. And I studied like studio art. And then I actually went to school for exhibition design and I started trying to combine what I was doing in school in exhibition design with kid stuff. So I was making exhibitions inspired by like Twister. I recently posted one where I had this design, this uh, light show where it's essentially a Twister board on a floor and the kids like press the buttons and it would cause light to show up on the walls of a white space to teach color and light combinations. So my teachers started to see what I was doing and they're like, Ajelle, you know, there is a program, there's a toy program at the school. And I was like, what is that? Like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> He's like, no, no, there's a whole industry. It's a toy industry. You can do that. It's a thing. And I just, I went and I met with the head of that department and she took a liking to me and my work ethic. And 
honestly, the rest was history. After that, she showed me how to apply. I applied and I just worked my butt off until I finished the program, got a job and I've just never looked back since. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, what I love about what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're accessing your own creative power, but you are also, what I heard there is you're combining your desire to be a teacher in some way and a connector to the, the world of the child. So I think that's just really powerful. So what was the, the turning point after you spent, you know, 10 years in the toy industry, once you got yourself oriented and educated, when did you make that decision? What inspired you to make the decision to, to jump off the ledge and find that you had wings and start your own gig? the pandemic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the quarantine and, and having to stay at home. I was always an entrepreneur by nurture. My mom was an entrepreneur my entire life or still is an entrepreneur. And so I it's in me. It's always something I did on the side of my full-time job, but it wasn't something I wanted to do because I felt you can't really make a living doing that. And also I felt like when you do make a living, you're always working. You never have free time. Like that's what I thought. That's what I'd seen. Right. And then when the pandemic hit and I was at home working from home, it just became really clear how much time I was spending on somebody else's dream. I think it was just because I was home and I'm, you know, you're seeing the days turn into nights and like the hours go by. And I started to envision what my future was going to be like post pandemic. And I'm like, oh, so if I choose to have kids, if I choose to have a family, I'm just never going to see them. And I'm just going to be building someone else's dream as hard as I would do something for myself and, and then never really enjoy my own life. And it freaked me out. It freaked me out enough that I was, I thought, you know, this is the time where I'm going to try, I'm going to try this entrepreneurial thing. And I think now is probably the best time for it. I don't know why I thought that, but I felt it was the right time. (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. Well, and so what I love about you, Ajel, is you went in entrepreneurially really clear about what you carry for value. So you were able to quickly take and create something of value to serve into the marketplace. Whereas a lot of times women who are called to leave their corner office job, they don't necessarily have clarity about the value that they offer. So can you talk a little bit, you know, do you think it was because you had a mom who was an entrepreneur that you were able to see that value quickly? Or was there something else that happened for you that allowed you to be so swift in putting your stake in the ground because, you know, you really have already positioned yourself as the queen, right? There's nobody else doing what you're doing yet, except potentially your own students. So why don't you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah. I owe a lot of that to my podcast. So I have a podcast, the toy coach podcast, making it in the toy industry. But what happened was when I put that podcast out there, people started resonating with it, reacting to it, reaching out to me. And it was like all of the things I'd heard, all of the compliments I've heard from recruiters and former bosses telling me how great I was at my job had now started coming from people who wanted to hire me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and as it wanted me to, wanted to be my client. And that was the moment where my sister, I think I told you this once before, where my sister said, Ajel, when are you going to stop 
when are you going to stop ignoring the universe? Like, when are you going to start listening to what's going on and, and respond to it? And that really hit me hard. (laughs) And, you know, basically I kind of just drew a a pro and con list of what it would mean to stay and what it would mean to go. And then I, I drew a line in the sand financially of what do I really need to survive? And that is how I decided to make that leap. Beautiful. Well, that's one of the things I actually help my own clients with is, you know, getting clear on the money piece. And so I think that's a really important thing for women to hear is that it's it's a part of the decision making process is you do have to listen to the universe. But I love that you bring to the table, Ajal, that you got clear on what your your financial requirements were. And so the the one thing that I would say to my listeners is not only do you need to know what your revenue requirements are, but let's make it so that you're doing more than surviving. Let's make right. it so that you're thriving, right? We Let's thrive. Right. But at least you had some clarity around the numbers when you made the decision. So let's talk now about, you know, as you were getting this feedback where people wanted to hire you, that's like an amazing thing to have happen when you're just stepping into business. And so that speaks to the level of clarity of, of how you were showing up with your message. So what happened for you the first, you know, like the first time somebody reached out and wanted to hire you? Did you know what to do? Did you have uh, a clue about what you were doing? Like share with us that experience of the moment when somebody said, I want you, Ajel. Oh, I was totally freaked out. It was not a good feeling. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I, I I think... I don't even remember the first person. I think I probably would have told them, oh, listen to this podcast episode or more than likely I'm not accepting clients. I have a full-time job. Sorry. Like I was not, I had no plan, no plan to be an entrepreneur. So I was like deflecting all of this, all of the universe trying to talk to me. I was, no, I was so afraid. And it's what you just made me realize when you were when you were talking was that I think the reason that I was looking at my what's the line in the sand, what's the minimum I need to make was because even though people were saying, were recognizing my voice and my knowledge, I didn't have that level of confidence in it, right? So I wasn't yet at the stage where I'm going to demand this much. I was still at the stage where, oh, can someone else pay me to do this? And can, can I be my own boss? Like I, I was still in a little bit of a disbelief and even with people reaching out, it was still a lot to take on. Mm. So what have you learned since you got started? Like, what have you learned about your own value? What have you learned about selling? What have you learned about, you know, being an entrepreneur that, you know, you might have seen stuff going on in your house when your mom was bringing you up what do you notice in your own life that's happened for you since you finally said yes to the universe and stepped in? Oh, I have so much time. <laughs> I have so much time. And, and you know, I'm making an impact on so many more people. And right now I'm working on making a bigger impact on those same people. And I'm doing, I, I haven't told you this yet, but I, 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 oh my gosh, you're gonna be so excited. So I, I reached out to a bunch of toy companies and I built this virtual pitch event for a select number of my students. And it's, becoming this like bigger, a bigger impact, you know? So like now I've, I've, I've kind of spread out my impact with like the number of students and I've built this bigger impact. So I don't know. I've, I mean, I've learned so much. It's like, I think so much I've learned that you don't have to give up all day, five days a week to 
be successful, to be profitable. Mm. I mean, one thing I've learned that I thought I knew, but I didn't was the difference between your gross revenue and then like <laughs> your profit. Cause you think you understand it, but what you don't think about is paying yourself. So then, then I'm like, Oh, I'm paying myself. Like this is cool and different. And, and there it's, it's such an interesting place to be where you're looking at your business. Like I, as an individual, am profiting because I'm paying myself, but then you're like, oh, and my business is profiting and, and that's cute. And, and so now I'm just learning this like balance of, okay, how much am I spending on ads or consultants or to make sure um, my business is profitable in the right ways. And I can give back to my students in the ways that I want to. It's just like, I don't know. There there's, I almost feel like everyone should get the opportunity to go through this because it's, it's almost indescribable, like networking with people like you and like people in my industry and the way the commu- the conversations that you have, like there's a level of thinking and problem solving that you do not do in corporate America. When you learn to access that as an entrepreneur, it opens up so many more possibilities about what you can do with your knowledge. And what I'm realizing is I'm still a little bit corporate because I do things like put on a virtual pitch event with toy companies with no extra charge. And I'm like, <laughs> so oops. Oops. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> oops. Because in, in my mind, you know, it's just, you don't, you don't have that. You don't have the vision because the uh, being an entrepreneur requires vision. And now I'm learning to step back and I'm learning to see worth like and value everywhere. Right. Yeah. And now I'm like, I got to slow down and like price things. You can't just be like, here's all of the things yeah, included exactly. in whatever the course price, what you can't do that. You got to slow it down. And I don't know, I'm learning so much <laughs> it's like every day. Well, what I love is the amount of enthusiasm and joy you have now for entrepreneurship. And we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about how you are transferring your enthusiasm for entrepreneurship to those people who have great toy ideas. But right now, we're going to take a quick break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share the show with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I also want to let you know that I have started a club on Clubhouse called the Wickedly Smart Women Entrepreneurs and Change Agents Club. And we are going to begin the process of populating rooms that are going to be hosted in that club. I've already done a few. We're almost at a thousand members in the club right now. And so we are going to be building that out over the course of this uh, year ahead. We're also building out a bigger community on the Facebook side of things and our store. So please keep in touch and go to wickedlysmartwomen.com to sign up for our mailing list if you haven't already. I do want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. We're now in 82 countries. I do want to shout out this week to our listeners in, let's shout out to our listeners in China, Taiwan. And New York, because I think all of those places have something to do with the toy industry. And we will be right back with Ajel Wade. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. 
Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with the amazing Agile. You can find out more about her and what she has to offer at toycreatorsacademy.com toycreatorsacademy.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So Ajel, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what they will find when they go to toycreatorsacademy.com and more specifically what you are looking for as you curate your next class of toy creators. Ah, toycreatorsacademy.com is where you can either get on the wait list if the doors aren't open or join my group of toy creators. It's a 10 week program in which I guide you through the process of developing and developing the design and the pitch strategy to sell your toy idea. If you don't have a toy idea yet, don't worry. The first couple of modules help you do that. And it's so much more than just a course. It's a community. And like I said, uh, in the first half, I started building this pitch event on the back end of it. It is a world into itself. It's grown so much. And I would just love if you have an idea for a toy or a game, come on over to toycreatorsacademy.com, join the mailing list, and I will take care of you. Fantastic. So one thing I want people to hear, just like in the coaching industry or the expert industry or the training industry, in the toy industry, you actually want to sell it before you create it. You want to sell your idea before you create it. So Ajal, can you speak a little bit about your own journey with either selling your own ideas or with selling in general now that you are an entrepreneur and you're selling in the uh, process of enrolling people to come into your academy? Let's talk about selling. Yeah, When you develop a toy idea, or when I would develop toy ideas for the companies that I worked for, the very first step would be to kind of sketch out the concept, but then go to the stores or build a 3D model and kind of mock it up for as little cost as possible. So if I'm building an arts and crafts kit, I'm going to Michael's, I'm going to AC Moore, I'm buying pieces and I'm putting it together in a box that I think is similar to the box that it will be produced in, right? And I'm doing all of that before I go to production because what I do with that information is I go to my boss and I say, hey, this is an idea I have. I sent this idea over to our team in China. They gave us a a cost estimate for this. This is what it will cost. This is what we can retail it for. And here's some trend research on why I think this is going to sell, right? 
you do that first because nobody wants you wasting company resources on developing an item that the buyers are not going to be interested in putting in their stores. And that's important when you're working in corporate America and you're pitching to your boss to, to get placement. But it's even more important when you're an entrepreneur investing what might be your life savings into developing an idea that you hope to sell. I tell my students all the time, we go through a whole process of like, reaching out to your ideal target market, asking them specific questions, showing them samples of your product as you develop it and getting ongoing feedback. So you don't waste time developing something that nobody really wants. Mm. And then something that they can't afford. It's a, it's a two-sided problem, two-sided coin, but yeah, super important. Yeah. Beautiful. So what is your favorite sales tip for anybody who has an idea either a toy idea or a business idea, you know, I'll, I'll give one of mine. One of my ideas, my, one of my tips for selling is you have to sell yourself first and you have to stay sold. You have to mm-hmm. sell yourself first and you have to stay sold on your own idea. So what yeah. would you give for a tip around selling? Yeah, a great tip would be once you get to the end of your presentation or your pitch, have some something else, which is going to be a line extension. Toy companies, if you're pitching an idea to license or if you're pitching to a retailer to sell, they will love seeing that you have a long-term vision for the product so that they know if they give you this space after a year of sales, it's not just going to fall flat. You have an idea for like the next generation or the next upsell. So I always tell people like, you want to start thinking, what's this product going to be one year from now, two years from now, five years from now? If you can show them that forward thinking, you're kind of doing a lot of the work for them because they're looking for a whole program to buy into, not just like one item. Beautiful. I love it. All right. So what's your favorite thing about the toy industry? Ooh. (laughs) I, I mean, my personal favorite part of developing toys is when I get to that get the samples to test out. It's real. I know it's so silly, but like the, it's such an amazing feeling when you've sketched something out or you've 3d modeled something. And then you get that sample back either from a factory or from a rapid prototyping service locally. And you're it's in your hands and you get to press all the buttons. And it's literally your job to say, this is the wrong Pantone green, you know, like I, I really, maybe it's a little type a of me, but I really love that part where I get to like, pick apart and be specific and test all the things and look at the instructions and proofread. Like that's always been my favorite part of product development in the toy industry. Detail oriented right there. So what I'm hearing, so what I'm hearing, Michelle, is that you are both massively visionary as well as detail oriented. So now (laughs) tell me what's your biggest challenge in your role as an entrepreneur or your biggest challenge within the greater toy industry? Like, what do you feel like your big challenge is? I feel like you already know this. I have a feeling, but I feel like it's staying focused on one idea. (laughs) Uh, She's like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." yeah, totally my biggest challenge. My, I, my, I'm sure my VA could attest, you know, every Monday I'm like, we've got a new plan. Like, yeah, I'm, I gotta stay focused. That's my thing. Yeah. Well, that, and, and that's a thing for visionaries. I mean, cause often we have a broad vision because we have a broad vision, we can see lots of possibilities and then it's, yes. uh, and then it's the work of honing in <sighs> on, I've given myself the discipline and, and ladies, as you're listening, if you're one of those, 
who are uber creative. I'm hyper creative. I've given myself the discipline now that my second husband gave me, which was pick three things, no more than three things. And he said that to me at one point in our marriage, which was many years ago, when he walked in the office and I had 27 things on my desk that were literally 27 (laughs) different things. And he was like, you got to just pick three for now. Because when you have all those things going simultaneously, each one can only get a teeny little bit of your attention. So three was the magic number for me. Hopefully that'll be helpful for you, Ajelle. (laughs) Can I make it like six? No. No, no, you cannot. You cannot make it six. You can make it three. So the other thing I learned, the other thing I learned is three and in three months. So three and three. So I do the three and three. So what are the top three things I want to put my attention, my focus on in the next three months? Okay. Then when I was able to actually move to that structure in my life and my business, it was so much of a relief because it can be, I mean, I don't know if this is true for you as but when you're hyper creative, you can sometimes feel like you're going to explode. And when you're able to like tell the creations, it's okay. Yeah. I've got you, I've got you, but I've got you over here, like in year three, quarter four, <laughs> you know, when you can tell the creations that then they stop pestering you. I don't know. I have to say, yeah, I have to say I have a social media manager who's also a friend of mine. She kind of does my social planning for me. We met and I was telling her all these ideas and she was like, yeah, so I think you have too much going on. And she's like, I just, she's like, you know, I just feel like your audience might be overwhelmed. So I listened to her and I was like, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And because one of my students actually told me like, I don't know how you have time to do all of these things. Like I never know what's going on. So what I did, and now it's in place. I I have like an IGD TV show coming up that I want to just highlight my students product and things like that. So I pushed it out until June because May should be focused on my pitch event. Right. So I made a cut and I had to like send a couple of like cancellations last month and say, look, I'm sorry. We decided to start this in June. So we're going to push you back. I I would love to have you then. But honestly, like it it was the smartest thing. I mean, you need, I need the space and my audience deserves to have me showing up every day talking about the same thing for a minute instead of like every day, like having a new thing. So it, it, it definitely allowed me to calm down. And now I've even done the work of, you know, they call it like an optimized CEO week where you say, like you said, today you do this. So, so I have my content creation days and I have my meeting days and, and that's helping me so much more, but that's literally in the last like two weeks that I've been doing this. So I'm learning. Yes, you are. And that's the most important thing. And we just want to underscore for our listeners here. So listeners, if you have a toy idea, Clearly, this is the lady that you want to get in touch with because she will help you to make that idea come to reality. Or I'm guessing, Ajelle, sometimes you have to say to people, you know, that's not going to work. And, you know, that requires being able to be brutally honest sometimes with people, right? So um, if you have a toy idea, you actually want to hear that's not going to work before you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars developing it, right? Yes, yes, yes. 
And Weekly Smart Women, if you are thinking about starting your own business, just know that it's possible and that you're always learning and that you're always learning and try and put some fun and joy into it. So Ajal, if there's anything else you'd like to say before we close, I'd love to hear you know one last final comment that you might have to our listeners. Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got from one of my mentors is came to me when I was freaking out about something like, Oh no, I don't know if I made the right decision for this and that, and this and that. And he always used to tell me, Agile, it's not the decisions that you thought about for years and years that are going to, you know, have this huge negative impact, you know, or, or months, you know, you've thought these things over. It's the two second, the five second decisions. Those are the ones that are going to, you know, turn your world upside down. And it's so true. And if you listen to that quote, you'll really find peace. Like I found a lot of peace whenever I have to make big decisions, as long as I've really spent some time, you know, a couple of days a week thinking about them, I can find peace with whichever way they go. Mm. And then it makes me more wary of those two second decisions. Like, Oh yeah, this will, this pitch event will be included in the course. Like th- that's when <laughs> those are the decisions <laughs> that you're like, Oh wait, I should have slowed down. Yeah. So that's my advice. Beautiful. I love it. Slow down to speed up. Thank you. Really good. All right, listeners, we love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.